Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. We are so glad you joined us today. This podcast features messages, interviews, and discussions from Radiant Church located in Seneca, South Carolina. For more information about Radiant, visit RadiantChurchSC.com. Here's today's episode. Welcome to Radiant Church. My name is Andrew and I'm the lead pastor and we're so glad you could join us today from wherever you're watching or listening from. If this is your first time joining us, hey, go to RadiantChurchSC.com and click on new. If you fill that short form online for us and as a way of saying thanks, we're going to donate $5 to one of the nonprofits that's listed. Well, we're starting a new teaching series that's going to take us to the end of May here today and it's called Running with the Giants. Now, in the New Testament, there's a letter called Hebrews written primarily to Jewish Christians who are facing intense persecution for their faith. Imprisonment, torture, even death is on the line for those guys. The entire letter is written to encourage these Christians and help their faith stay grounded in Christ in a period of very intense societal pressure, kind of like what we're in today. The author of Hebrews, he ends chapter 10 by encouraging his readers to persevere in the midst of this pressure and persecution and have faith. And he then starts chapter 11 telling us what faith is before providing numerous examples of several Old Testament people who had great faith as well. Now, if you're not familiar with Hebrews chapter 11, it's okay. Uh, Sometimes this is called the Hall of Faith because the people listed are who we would consider to be spiritual giants. After listing several names and talking about their experiences, the author starts chapter 12 with this line. Look at this. Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, anytime, by the way, you see therefore, that should trigger something in you. The context before is really important because it sets up where the author is going to go next, okay? So therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of the faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We, who are the witnesses in, in, in the passage that we just read? Well, they're spiritual giants. Now, I'm not necessarily a believer that you can view whatever's happening on this earth from eternity. The author isn't suggesting that really either. Um, he's being more metaphorical than anything else here. But a thought did occur to me with this imagery of witnesses and of people watching, maybe even cheering us on. There are many individuals at a sporting event, right? Baseball, football, wherever. They're cheering their teams on and cheering the athletes on, but you can't really hear what they're saying, right? Like when each person is just, a, it's a bunch of like loud white noise. But what would it be like if you could have one person jump out of the stands and you could hear what they were telling you? See, the New Testament, it likens our lives to a race that we're running. And so I thought, what if one of these spiritual giants, these witnesses here, got out of the stands and and ran a lap with us in this race? What would they say? What, What life lessons and experiences, what spiritual wisdom would they leave us with? And so it kind of hit me. You know, it's like, all right, kind of like one of those, if we could have dinner with one person in history, who would it be? Kind of things, you know? I started thinking of all the people in Hebrews 11. We don't have time to get into all their stories, but what if we took a few weeks to dive in just a few of them? Who would be the first person who would get out and run a lap with us? So the first guy who jumps out and decides to run a lap with us is an interesting person. He's not exactly somebody you would expect to be listed among the people of great faith in Hebrews 11. He actually lives a tragic and miserable life. Um, He was a womanizer. He wasn't the nicest guy. He actually got it wrong way more than he got it right. 
He led parts of Israel as a judge before the time of the kings. And the guy I'm talking about here today, his name is Samson. Now, Samson had God's anointing on his life, all right? And I know, I know, I just said that he wasn't the best guy. He was dishonest. He was deceitful. He, he, ran around, he ran with the wrong ladies for sure. But his biggest issue was his pride. And we're going to get to that in a little bit here, but it leads him to being imprisoned by his enemies, the Philistines, who gouge out his eyes and they force him to just grind grain like an animal. So why is he included in the hall of faith? Well, I think if Samson had a lap to run with us, uh, I think he would take some time to explain that he was blind long before he lost his eyesight. I think he would say, you know, I was blind to the enemy's plan for my life. And you don't have to lose your eyes to be blind to that either. In fact, there's three important areas of your life you can be blind to just like I was. So I think Samson would tell us first, you can be blind to God's purpose, especially his purpose for your life, right? Samson's story starts in Judges chapter 13. An angel appears to his mother. Now his mom up to this point had not been able to have kids of her own. That's really important. So listen to what the angel says to her in Judges chapter 13, verse number five. You'll become pregnant and give birth to a son, and his hair must never be cut, for he'll be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth, and he'll begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. So Nazarites were people in the Old Testament who took special vows to the Lord. So until that vow was completed, they couldn't cut their hair, and, and they had to abstain from alcohol and a bunch of other things as well. So the fact that Samson actually has long hair really isn't special. So that ruins the story for some of y'all, but it, it wasn't special. What made him special was the superhuman strength that God had given him to defeat the Philistines who were oppressing large parts of Israel. That was his purpose, his whole reason for being, to save Israel. But Samson never quite saw this clearly. He, he lived as if his purpose existed only for his own benefit. And that's a fear, by the way, that if I'm honest with you, like I've always had. Like, I don't, I don't want to go through life without a clear purpose. Like, do you? Like, I, I, I want to know why I'm here. And I bet you are in the same boat. So fortunately at Radiant, if you're local, we have a system designed to help you discover how God wired you and how God gifted you. It's called growth track. And in step two of our growth track, we take, you know, we take your personality and, and the gifts that God gave you, and we help you see how that purpose he has for your life lines up. I, I would encourage you, if you're local here, to come out and take growth track two if you haven't taken step two yet. But when you have a call in your life and you discover the purpose that God has for you, man, you make better choices, right? Like you, you have direction, you have meaning. Proverbs speaks to this. Proverbs 29, 18 tells us this right here, that when people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. But whoever obeys the law is joyful. So other translations are going to say things like, well, where there's no vision, that's, that's the King James, or there's no restraint, that's the NIV. It doesn't really matter what translation you use, the message is actually still the same, that without God's guidance and purpose for your life, dude, nothing matters. It doesn't matter who you marry, what you do, where you go, how things end up. Life is essentially meaningless. Now, I'm not saying that Samson saw his life as meaningless, but you can make a pretty good case that he didn't live um, like it mattered a whole lot because he was blind to God's purpose for his life. Now, a surefire way to avoid being blind to God's purpose is to obey the Lord. 1 Samuel 15, 22. What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? 
Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than the offering of the fat of rams. So more than worship, more than prayers, more than all the religious and spiritual things out there, God wants your obedience. Obedience communicates you're truly committed to following the Lord with everything you have, that He is the number one priority in your life. So many people, they, they, they want what God offers. They just don't want to obey Him. <laughs> Samson wanted the strength. He loved the power it gave him. I mean, he felt invincible, you know? He just didn't want to follow and obey God. He really wanted to do things his way all the time, and his pride fueled that disobedience, and it caused him to be blind to God's purpose for his life, and it led him down a path that ultimately led to his end. That's why Samson would say to us that not only can he be blind to God's you know, purpose in your life, but you can also be blind to the power of relationships. Bad relationships are, are, are powerful in a bad way, and good ones are powerful in a good way. It's, it's not really rocket science, you know? But man, do we struggle with this. Like, like Samson did as well. He, he, was, he was a womanizer. He chased after all the wrong ladies, and it got him in trouble. In Judges chapter 14, when he, this is Samson, when he returned home, he told his father and mother, Hey, young Philistine woman, and Timna caught my eye, and I want to marry her. Go get her for me. And his father and mother objected. Isn't there even one woman in our, our, our tribe among all the Israelites that you could marry? Like, why must you go to the pagan Philistine to find a wife? So Old Testament law required that Jews had to marry Jews. If you weren't Jewish, you would have to convert to Judaism. Samson's parents are aware that what he's asking for isn't good for his own spiritual well-being. The Philistines are not just Israel's enemy. They have a different set of values, a different spiritual belief system, and they're not part of God's community. He doesn't realize this is going to set him down a path of absolute misery and ultimately really undo him. Intimate, uneven relationships can be detrimental in your life. You can't isolate yourself. I'm never going to tell you that you can't have friendships with people of different belief systems and spiritual. Yeah, that, that's just crazy. What I will tell you, though, is you have to be careful how close those relationships get in your life. And those of you guys who are younger, maybe you're not married yet, hey, be especially careful that the person that you're going to marry is on the same page you are. Why? Well, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15:33, bad company corrupts good character. I'm just going to tell you, man, listen, parents, they know a lot more than you think they do. And believe it or not, there does come a time when you realize, my gosh, they were right all along. Can't believe it. <laughs> for, for me, I was in my early 20s and it dawned on me. It's like, mom and dad know more than I realize. Your parents have a lot of wisdom and they can see things you can't see at your age and they can help you avoid pitfalls and heartache that they experienced if you just kind of lean in to that wisdom a little bit. If you want a little added motivation, Ephesians 6, 2 through 3, a nice promise for honoring your parents right here. It says this, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment. This is key here with a promise. What's the promise? Well, if you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on the earth. So choose your relationships carefully, Samson would say. Don't wait for the right people to come to you. You take the initiative and go to the right people. 
it's really interesting how many people of both older and younger generations, they really want to make the right connections and relationships with each other. Uh, they want to get mentored. They, they, they really want to be around each other. But for the younger guys, they, they, they want that wisdom that the older generation has, you know? And honestly, for the older generation, it's kind of like reverse mentoring because they don't want to be irrelevant in their circles. They want to know how to connect with people who are a generation or two behind them. But those connections don't happen very often. And I realized over time that the, one of the reasons is that both groups kind of act like it's impossible to make these types of relationships happen. The truth is, you can't sit and wait for them to come to you. You got to choose and pursue them. That's true for any relationship in your life. You got to choose and pursue the right relationships in your life. And once you do that, make sure that you remember a few important keys. So remember to you know, nurture the important relationships, like your spouse, your family, nothing should come above that. Restore the broken relationships. That means dispensing grace and forgiveness and reconciliation. Sever the harmful ones, the ones that aren't building you up, that are toxic and tearing you down. Initiate the meaningful ones. Again, seek and pursue the right relationships. So don't fall into the mess that Samson fell into. Know how powerful relationships can be and choose them carefully. And if you can do that, you're going to grow as a person and in your walk with Christ. See, relationships have a, a powerful influence on our lives, so much so that you're eventually going to become like the people that you choose to draw close to. Proverbs 13, 20 puts it like this. Walk with the wise, become wise. Associate with fools and get into trouble. So one more area I think Samson would share with us. I think if he was running one more lap with us, <clears throat> excuse me, one more lap with us, I, I think he would say, you can be blind to the nature of God. Samson had anointing, which gave him supernatural strength beyond his own. He still had it, by the way, when he was with Delilah, which, you know, he's sleeping with the wrong person, living a life of lies and deceit, but God's anointing is still with him, which doesn't make any sense to me. Does it make sense to you? Like, why would God still anoint and have his presence contend with somebody so steeped in intentional and deliberate sin? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Well, the truth is, I don't have a black and white answer for that, <laughs> okay? But here's what I do know. I do know that we serve a good and faithful, generous, forgiving God, and He has a purpose and plan for each one of us that He'll carry out whether we're going to play ball the right way or not. So while you may be living like Samson in intentional sin and still be enjoying the benefits of God's anointing, that isn't going to last forever. At some point, God's plan is going to be completed. And perhaps His grace with you may actually reach its end. Not in the sense that there's no forgiveness for your life, but rather if you still haven't turned things around, God may leave you on your own. So you have to learn about God's goodness the hard way, like Samson did. Judges chapter 16, verse number 19. Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap. And then she called in a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair. And in this way, she began to bring him down and his strength left him. And she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. And when he woke up, he thought, I'll just do as I did before, shake myself free. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. See, all along, Samson had thought the source of his strength was himself. It's in my hair. God gave it to me. I got to take care of it. All I got to do is just not cut my hair and I'm good. 
He never considered the source of his strength was in God and God alone. His pride kept him from experiencing the goodness of God's nature. He didn't respect God. He, he didn't know God. He didn't live in any kind of holy fear of God. And I think that led to his downfall for sure. But Samson is in this famous Hall of Faith passage in Hebrews 11 for a reason, right? So far, it's kind of hard to see why. You know, I, I know he's, he's listed here on purpose, right? With spiritual giants, but, but why? Well, if you pay attention to the stories of people listed in this chapter, you'll notice a pattern begin to develop. These people are not listed here for what they necessarily did during their lives so much as for how they finished. So a lot of people will live well, but they finish very poorly. Samson makes this list not because of how he lived, but because of how he finished. He was blind to God's purpose, the power of relationships, and even the very nature of God. But in the ashes of a broken spirit, he learned about God's grace and forgiveness in a life-altering way. As the lap comes to a close and Samson moves back into the stands, I think he shares one more piece of wisdom with us. Samson was someone who understood the value of second chances more than most people, and it leads to this one last important takeaway. Failure is never final. For years, I skipped over Judges 16.22. It meant nothing to me, you know? Like Samson had his hair shaved. Okay, the Lord left him. He's no longer like the Hulk, right? He's imprisoned by the Philistines. He's lost his eyes. He's forced to grind grain the way an ox does for the rest of his life. And yet at the end of the passage in Judges 16.22, the author writes this, but before long, his hair began to grow back. So what? I mean, hair grows back all the time. Doesn't take a genius to figure that out. Doesn't take someone living in ancient history to figure it out. Why is this even important? Because the author is setting us up for what's going to come next. At some point in prison, Samson clearly has a change of heart. At some point, he recognizes where he went wrong, what he was blind to, how he needed God. And I think the author includes that last line to show us that God's grace was at work in his life, that his failure wasn't final. That failure is actually never final when God has the last say. The Philistines put on a huge religious celebration to uh, Dagon, who was the, uh, one of the gods they worshipped, and they bring out Samson for entertainment. And Samson specifically asked to have his hands placed between the pillars which hold up the temple that everyone's at, and they're, you know, the party's kind of getting crazy and wild. You know? Think about that for a moment. I mean, he's blind. How does he know which pillars to place his hands next to, unless he'd actually been in the temple numerous times before to know where to stand. That's kind of telling, isn't it? So while he's resting against the pillars, he says one more prayer. Look at this, verse number 28. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me again. Oh God, please strengthen me just one more time. With one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my two eyes. And then Samson put his hands in the center pillars that held up the temple and pushing against them with both hands, he prayed, let me die with the Philistines. And the temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers and all the people. And so he killed more people when he died than he had during his entire lifetime. For the first time in a long time, maybe even ever, Samson acknowledged his strength did not come from himself. It came from God as his source. And a humble Samson gets back up 
and he goes out with the greatest victory he's ever achieved in one final blow. He was forgiven, he was restored, and he finishes the hero he should have been all along. Failure is only final when you refuse to get back up. You may be like Samson today. You might find yourself struggling with God's purpose for your life and perhaps even blind to it. So start obeying the Lord today, man. Be humble enough to obey and follow Him. Get back up and obey God. Maybe you're blind to the relationships you have and there are some in your life which are really toxic and you just can't see it right now. Everyone else can. Your spouse can, your students, parents can. Hey, choose your relationships very carefully here. Sever the ties with the wrong relationships and get back up and pursue the right ones. You might have a lot of pride. Perhaps your ego isn't hurting too much here today, right? In fact, it's actually overinflated. It's causing you to be blind to the nature of God. Well, it's all about you and not Him. So at some point, man, listen, if you can't write this ship, you might learn the hard way. You know, you're going to have to learn how to depend on God, but it may not come easy for you. Hey, listen, don't let it come down to that. If you have and you're experiencing God humbly right now, hey, listen, don't get down. Get back up. Failure isn't final when God has the last say. So get up today and learn these lessons from Samson's life. Obey the Lord. Choose your relationships carefully and know that when you get back up, man, that when you let God have the last say, failure is never final. Here's what I want to do today for you. Whatever you're watching or listening from right now, I want to pray over your life that, that, that you will be like Samson, man. Learn from those important lessons that he shares with us here today and get back up. That you understand that failure is never final in your life today. Father, I love you, man. Thank you so much for every person who's watching and listening right now. Lord, for those who are, are struggling with some toxic relationships, I pray in this, this moment that you begin to help them see the power of relationships, God, and how they can influence us for the good and the bad. Help them to make the right decisions, Lord. I pray that, that right now that they would begin to choose and pursue the right relationships in their lives. I, I pray, Lord, they become aware of the purpose you have for them, God. You have a purpose for every single life. And I pray, God, that, that they are aware of your purpose, Lord, for their lives, that, God, they make it about you and not themselves, that, Father, they would begin to lay aside that pride they have, Lord, and pursue you. Uh, Father, I, I pray uh, that, that they would understand the importance that when they get not back down, they got to get back up on their feet again, man. Don't stay down. Failure is only final if we stay down. If we let you have the final say in our lives, man, if we get back up, man, there's all kinds of great things you can do in and through us. So I pray for encouragement, God, today. I pray for humility here today as well. And I pray, Lord, that you are glorified through each and every person listening and watching out there today. Thank you for what you're going to do in each one of these lives. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us, you can do so by emailing us at media at radiantchurchsc.com or visit one of our social accounts on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform that you listen to. We hope you have an amazing rest of your day.